What is integrity? I don't even know how to spell that. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> this one of them things on the street. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I don't know. What do I mean? I ain't not speaking English. I'm a man, I'm a man. Nah, y'all don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> what is integrity? Integrity is being honest, being upstanding, genuine. That's a good question. Shout out. Means like you don't lie, you don't steal. You're an honest person. Doing what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Doing what you say you're gonna do. What is integrity? Integrity. Yeah, I don't know nothing about it. Yeah. Integrity. Something that's inside you. That does the right thing. I have no idea. <laughs> Honesty. Uh, person of principle. Strong character. Uh, honesty. Doing the right thing all the time, no matter what the consequences. Upstanding a person's uh, character. It's not always doing what the popular thing is, but it's doing what the right thing is regardless. Feeling good about what you do. Being ethical and moral. What is integrity? I don't know. Shout out to all my people. Hey, man, hey. Brooklyn. KC, you know what I'm saying? Integrity? Strong morals. Integrity is honesty. Someone who stands up for what they say and follows through. The content of someone's character, you know, and, and how they live. <laughs> you might have to ask somebody else. I'm talking about that. <laughs> I'm on TV. Integrity is self-worth. What is integrity? It's a good question. Integrity is your word, your honesty. Whether or not you can be believed for what you say. Just a good person. Karma in a way, it's just be true to oneself and be true to other people. Being upright, honest, being a good citizen. That's what I think integrity is. Integrity is a person that carries itself with good character. Say what you mean, mean what you say. Welcome to One Nation Under God, a multi-congregational sermon series involving 28 plus churches in Hood County. Isn't that awesome? Next Sunday night, we're going to have church at Shanley Park at 6 o'clock. It's going to be a glorious time with all those other folks. One Nation Under God comes from our Pledge of Allegiance. The words under God were placed there in 1954 by our legislation signed into law by Dwight D. Arkansas. Eisenhower, Lord, not today. Give me integrity, Lord. Partly as a response to the Cold War, to godless, atheistic Russia and China and the empires they were building, one nation under God is a desire, it's a positive confession, it's a prayer, it's the, the, um, a plea to God to make us one nation under God, and it's something that needs to be reflected in our lives so the first Sunday of this series, we spoke on One Nation Under God starts with me. I don't want uh, the nation to be under God and leave me out of it, right? If we want prayer back in schools, we at least need to have it in our homes, amen? Which segued into last Sunday, One Nation Under God is built on strong families. Maybe your family is weak spiritually right now. That word, I challenge you to listen to it, is a clarion call to return to your roots 
to reestablish your foundation, to start praying with your kids again and your spouse again. If your marriage has problems, get some help. If you had a car with problems, would you just putt-putt around town because you don't know how to fix it? No, you would get some help. How much more important is a, is a relationship with the one that we're married to, amen? Get some help. So today we're going to talk some more on this subject, One Nation Under God. Does my life show the one nation under God? Or am I just a whiner? Does your life display the nation of America as being under God? Do our lives reveal the one nation under God? Today we're going to speak on the subject. Let's read it together. One nation insists on integrity. Our nation started with integrity, a certain measure of integrity. The signers of the Declaration of Independence, if they weren't wholeheartedly devoted to the cause of being free from British oppression, the whole thing would have fallen apart if there wasn't integrity between them and within them. If George Washington got caught by the British, it would have hauled him to to London, had a court case, and had him drawn and quartered. You know what that means? Four strong horses attached to each of his limbs and beaten till they left him, until they were able to get free of him by ripping the man's body apart. These guys would lose their fortunes, their families would be destroyed. They were wholly devoted to this cause because of their integrity. Now, some of them didn't have complete integrity. I mean, Thomas Jefferson's the, the wordsmith of the bunch, the one that penned the words, these truths are self-evident, that all men are created equal by our creator he said that it's true but he didn't live like it was true so there was a problem with integrity in his life george washington continued to work on his integrity and before he died he freed all his slaves and our second president what was his name all right historians in the room he never had any slaves he was against it And the nation's lack of integrity in that area led to a civil war. Do you know a mighty revival visited America called the Great Awakening? The same revival hit England, and it resulted in them freeing the slaves. But in America, our country lacked integrity and led to a civil war. We're pretty much equivalent to the amount of slaves that that had been mistreated here, shipped here against their will. That many Americans died in the battlefield and wounded on both sides of the war. Check it out. Pretty tough deal. All right, but today we're going to talk about today. Can we say today? Today. One nation under God must insist on integrity. I know our choices in this season may look limited, but everybody to vote on is not without some integrity. Brian Birdwell is a man of integrity. I believe he is. And... uh, There's others you need to to vote for and consider their integrity. Turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 11 and Proverbs chapter 19. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, before he was killed by the Nazis, wondered on paper what kind of people the church was going to need most when the last bomb had exploded and the last person had been killed. He wrote what the church will need, what our century will need, are not people of genius. We know the 20th century had that. Not brilliant tacticians or strategists. We know our people have that. But simple, straightforward, honest men and women. Can we say amen? 
Proverbs 11 begins, Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. That verse always reminds me of the old school scale at the butcher, where he had the balancing scale, remember? You wanted a pound of beef, you w- he would take a one-pound weight and put it, hopefully it was truly one pound. If it wasn't, it was an abomination of God, and put it on the scale, which would cause it to go kilter, right? And then he would balance it by adding meat to the other side until it was balanced. Then you knew there was one pound of meat because it balanced with a one-pound weight. Now, hopefully you got one pound of meat and there wasn't some butcher thumb involved with that meat. If there was, according to this verse, that is an abomination to Jehovah. When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless will direct his way aright, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. Now, Jesus called himself the wiser than Solomon. And if these things were true for Solomon, how much more true for the followers of Jesus? If you follow the teachings of Jesus, you will become a person of integrity. All right, Uh, chapter 19. says, Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. Also, it is not good for a soul to be without knowledge, and he sins who hastens with his feet. Don't get in a hurry. You'll make a mistake for sure. Verse 3, the foolishness of a man twists his way, and his heart frets against the Lord. I want to key on two verses in those two chapters. Verse 3 and chapter 11, the integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. When you're facing a decision, what do I do? I don't know what to do. What would integrity, and we'll see what that is here in a minute, what would integrity lead you to do? That's, you know, that pretty much clears up the confusion. Well, everybody's doing it. That's not, that's not a good guide. If everybody runs over the cliff, are you going to follow them? It's not like mama at the dinner table. Chapter 19, verse 1 is another verse. Better is the poor that walks in his integrity than he who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. You're better off not to have much in this life and have integrity than to be the smoothest talking salesman in the land and reap the consequences for being a fool. The word integrity is a noun. It basically has two meanings. It it, it speaks of the condition of us as a person and the conditions of a group of persons or a thing. Uh, It's the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, uprightness, honesty, honor, character, ethics, morals, morality, righteousness, virtue, fairness, trustworthiness, decency, truthfulness. It also means the state of being whole and undivided, unified, unification, Unity, coherence, cohesion, togetherness. It comes from the word, the mathematical word, integer. 
An integer is a whole number. The number one is an integer. The number half technically is not an integer. It's not a whole number. That's the simplest way I know how to put it. So integrity is a state of wholeness. In the Roman army in their early days, they made their, their shields of high-quality metal. And when they would salute, they could smack their shields together. I mean, their, bra- their breastplates. They could smack their breastplates together with their fists. It would, it would emit a certain sound. And in saluting, they would say integritas, meaning I'm wholly committed to the battle. I'm wholly committed to the emperor. Integritas. But as time went on, making their stuff, their weaponry out of cheaper material, it didn't quite make the same sound. Integrity is a, is a goal. It's not something you arrive at. It's something you pursue. It's kind of like humility. If you've ever written a book, Humility and How I Attained It, you've lost it, right? To have humility, you have to assume that you need it. In fact, you're better off assuming you've got a problem with pride and you need to resist it if you want to have humility in your life. And so it is with integrity. We've got to assume there's a certain need for integrity in our lives to motivate us to pursue having integrity. Otherwise, we will take shortcuts and defend ourselves and make excuses. Well, I'm just Irish or I'm just German or, or my mama was like this or my daddy never paid me any attention to defend our lack of integrity. And that in itself may make us feel good, but it's like a cancer on a Band-Aid. It won't lead us down the way of uprightness. One nation under God insists on integrity, and so before we get to our nation's leaders, we want to look at ourselves. Do we have integrity? Do our lives have integrity? Who wants to shop at a store that doesn't have any integrity? Maybe you have this in your cupboard. I'm fixing to burst your bubble. Who's heard of truffle oil? Truffles are a rare fungus that grow around the roots of certain trees in certain parts of France and Spain and that part of the world. They're found with hound dogs that know how to sniff them out and pigs that have been trained. They're some of the most expensive food that there is. Who would like to have a truffle right now? I'd like to have a chocolate one, but that's a completely different kind of truffle. 
They don't keep very long. The season isn't that long, and they don't store very long. They, they decay. I mean, they're a fungi. I mean, he's not a fun guy, but they're a fungus among us anyway. But um, So now they sell truffle oil, which is actually olive oil with a chemical that is in truffles. So truffle oil is actually olive oil that smells like truffles, but it has no truffles in it. It's a scam. No integrity in that kind of thing. That's why reading the fine print really is good. I love uh, passion fruit. And anytime in the store I see passion fruit juice, I get excited, and then I read the ingredients, and it's grape juice, apple juice. You know, how much passion fruit is in it, I don't know. Also known as grenadilla juice. Do I have integrity? Do I? Lewis Smeads preached, we may have our preacher panache or our charismatic chic. We may build church empires, but if we don't have integrity, we're moral cadavers, the walking dead. Can you say zombies? Integrity is not a gift. It is something we have to work at all of our lives as we co-author our stories with God. It's not a possession that we are given once and for all. Integrity is a calling. It's a lifestyle. It's a pathway. It's a journey to integrity. Can I get an amen? Do you have integrity? The song that played during our fellowship time, well-known song by Billy Joel, says if you search for tenderness... It isn't hard to find. You can have the love you need to live. But if you look for truthfulness, you might just as well be blind. It always seems to be so hard to give. I can always find someone to say they sympathize if, if I wear my heart on my sleeve. But I don't want some pretty face to tell me pretty lies. All I want is someone to believe. Honesty is such a lonely word. Everyone is so untrue. Honesty is hardly ever heard, and mostly what I need from you. I can find a lover, I can find a friend, I can have security until the bitter end. Anyone can comfort me with promises again, but honesty is such a lonely word. Everyone is so untrue. No wonder that song became such a hit. It wasn't just that it's a beautiful melody, but the truth in it is so true of our culture, isn't it? The following is a reenactment of tweets adults tweeted, said by kids. Fact, fact, $30. Kids shoes, $45. Finding the rest of the kids' school supplies in the supply closet at work. Priceless. Hashtag winning. Told the boss I need to leave early today for a doctor's appointment. And by doctor's appointment, I mean pedicure. Hashtag hobby feet. The cashier messed up and gave me too much change. What to do, what to do. Starbucks. Hashtag high five, bro. I don't always eat on the sofa, but when I do, I always make sure my two-year-old son is nearby. To take the blame. Hashtag scapegoat. Bought a shirt on sale, then lost three seats. Then returned it for full price. Hashtag entrepreneur. What? Now it's going to get interesting. I'm going to make everybody mad. But just bear with me. Once they're elected into office, you will not hear me. You do not hear me criticize our nation's leaders from the pulpit. But they're candidates, so it's free game, right? 
No, I pledge to be honest with you, tell you the, the truth. I can't tell the whole truth. We don't have time. Uh, we have two, two uh, candidates that do not reflect the integrity of our nation's founders. They don't. How they got to where they were, I think, is a picture of the condition of our nation. Factcheck.org is known as a liberal-leaning fact-checking website. So I went there to check out the story from their perspective on Hillary Rodden Clinton's emails. On March 4th, 2015, her office received a subpoena. Can we say subpoena? From Congress to turn over their email records. Eventually they got turned over and it was discovered over 30,000 were deleted. She said they were deleted before we got the subpoena. The FBI says, no, they were not deleted until March 25th, which meant three weeks later, after getting the subpoena, now they start deleting stuff they still hadn't submitted to the rule of law in the land. And they were deleted over a three or four day period from the 25th onward, over 30,000, over 30,000. All right, let me tell you how unjust that is. A dear lady, a single foster mama, devoted member of this church, would sit over here in this area and bring her foster kids with her, is a convicted felon to this day. Her life was wrecked over this kind of issue. And let me tell you how it happened. One of her girls is going to be questioned by the police over a relationship with a boy. The boy was over 18. Get my drift? The boy had already confessed to the police his crimes, okay? But the police were coming to question the girl. Now, the girl wasn't in question in, pro in trouble with the law, but when the police called and says, we're coming to question the girl and you, uh, the foster mama had the girl throw away her love notes. That's all she did. When the police found out about that, she was charged with obstruction of justice and was convicted in a court of law, and her life ruined. In the long run, she had to move away. She lives in another state now because of this. What's the difference? She's a woman. She's a woman. But she obviously did not have the favor, the entitlement rights this woman thinks she had. Is getting away with it. Is that integrity? No. All right, that's just one thing. This is one of many towers, several towers built by Donald Trump. And what I'm going to tell you that's true about this, this tower, the problem here is also true of other Trump buildings. This tower has 72 stories, all right? And the lower floors are commercial, so there's a bank of elevators to go to the commercial floors. And then there's another bank of elevators to go to the uh, residential floors. To this day, you go to their websites, this building is, is billed or presented to would-be residents as a 90-story building, even though it only has 72. Not just this one, this is just the most famous one, but other ones he's done this kind of thing. And he talks out of both sides of his mouth on this issue. One side, well, other people do it too. And then the other side, well, I'm the one that started it. Of course, the other, the other thing is leverage. Well, we do it with the 14th floor too. Who's ever stayed on the 14th floor? 
hate to bust your bubble, but you've actually stayed on the 13th floor. Because a lot of people won't stay on the floor 13 because of superstition. But you do not use the error of others to justify your own. This is an integrity problem. He defends it by saying, I practice truthful hyperbole. That means lying, stretching the truth. But boy, is he quick to label other people liars. All right. I know we don't have much choice. Well, we've got to start insisting on integrity, and I'm appalled at some of the people who've endorsed this guy. It's like, come on, brothers, isn't your name worth anything? Isn't your name worth something? The Bible says a name is to be desired above rubies. Now, I know Jesus made himself of no reputation, but it's not because of him endorsing corrupt people. It's because he chose to die the death of a sinner and didn't walk in pridefulness. So, that's the choices we have. So my challenge today is we've got to insist on integrity in our own lives, in our own homes, in our own churches, in our own city, in our own county, in our own state, and in our own nation. Amen? Part of the weakness of democracy is we have too short of a vision. Our, you know, our vision's only four years, you know, and then we got another four years, so we've got this... It's a blessing and a curse. We've got to have a long-range vision for a government with integrity. At the same time, we've got to have it ourselves. So how, how to have integrity? First of all, we've got to want it more than anything. A name is to be desired above the price of rubies. Want integrity. If I don't have integrity, I need to be confronted. Amen? We need to be confronted. If there's a spot in our eye, someone... Who, who sees it's got to deal with a log in their eye, and then they have a responsibility to come and say, hey. Uh, Pastor Shake and I took a guy out to lunch the other day, and uh, the guy emphatically told the people at the counter, I want water. It was up here at Paleo's. And um, so we didn't want water, so he got the water glass, and we got the soft drink glass, and we went and got our tea or Coke or whatever, and he helped himself to some Coke. So wanting to have integrity at the same time, not wanting to hurt him, I went back to the cash register, told on him, and went ahead and paid for the drink so there wouldn't be a problem. But there's coming a time when I'm going to talk to that brother about that. Integrity is very important. We've got to want it more than anything. And we've got to admit it when we need it. That's the problem with pride is it's blinding. You'll do what I say because I'm the dad. Well, if our kids see a lack of integrity and they confront us on it, we've got to say, you know what, kid, you're right. Humbling ourselves will actually restore our relationship more than exerting ourselves. And we've got to admire integrity in those who have it. Admire it. We shared on this guy last week the youngest governor in Texas, a red-headed lawyer named Dan Moody. I won't go into the story of how he cleaned up Texas with its corruption when he became governor and how he became famous as district attorney to, to put four KKK leaders in prison and broke the back of the momentum because they were taking the nation by storm. That's a whole other story. But I was left, having discovered him, 
wondering more about him. What about his childhood? How was he raised? How does a young man like that grow up and have that kind of character and backbone to stand up against corruption? We need a leader like that in this day and time. Amen? There's two books you can get on them. You can read more about them called Crusader for Justice by Ken Anderson. And also, um, you can't do that, Dan Moody, by, also by Ken Anderson and someone else, a children's book. But I didn't have time to wait for a book to come in the mail. I wanted to go see for myself. So I made a little road trip Friday to Taylor, Texas. Who's been to Taylor? I know Jeff Ferris has. He's from Elgin, not far from Taylor. And, of course, when I got there, I was hungry, so I went to the very famous. This place is in the top ten of Texas Monthly Magazine. Every year is one of the best barbecue places in Texas. And their brisket was good. Their sauce, I didn't care for too much, but the brisket was awesome. And then we went to the Moody Museum. This is the house where Dan Moody was born. His mother was a school teacher. She and her brother uh, came to Taylor and bought this lot of land and had this house built. And then she fell in love with her husband-to-be and got married, and he bought out his uh, brother-in-law, and so the house was theirs. And, of course, as a school teacher in those days in Texas, if you were a woman and a school teacher, you had to be single. When you got married, that ended your career. So for extra income as well as to further the cause of education, this house was also, also had a very large room in it with its own fireplace and privacy quarters where school teachers could board there during the school year. So Dan Moody grew up in a home surrounded by teachers. He was not a straight-A student, student, but he was very bright and had to grow up fast. The father lost the family fortune and eventually... Uh, he went into the dairy business, and so uh, not only was Dan milking cows, but he's delivering milk all over the area of Taylor. So things like that you learn at this museum, which is uh, one of the historical places of Texas to go see. So I don't you say, you know, leave today and go there, but if you're in the area, stop, stop there. It's quite interesting. Uh, unique pieces of art that you won't see any other place. They're honoring Dan Moody. Here's a a banner from when he ran for attorney general, general and won, and he was out to correct the corruption that was in the Texas government, but he bumped into a problem. The governor was corrupt, or the governess. Ma Ferguson was the governor, and her husband, who had been impeached years earlier, uh, was still doing his shenanigans with the government, getting kicked back some corruption with the highway, highway department and some other government agencies. And so he decided to run for governor and won and became the youngest, youngest elected governor in Texas. He was all about the rule of law. His inauguration was the first outdoor inauguration at the Capitol in Austin. There is absolute thousands of people in this picture. It's really something to see. How they made it in those days with the technology being what it was, I don't know how they did it, but... Um, up there in the corner is this picture of his inaugural address. Some other strange things are there I'm not going to get into, but that is a woman's hat made with crow's wings. And the picture just didn't turn out good, but uh, can you imagine wearing such a thing for Halloween, I guess? Leaving the museum, I thought, you know, there's got to be more. So I went to the Taylor Public Library, and sure enough, they had an archive room where they let me go and stay as long as I wanted to, and they gave me two fat file folders that I went through full of 
clippings and things about him. Learned about his childhood. He always had a dog. Everywhere he went, he was the boy with the dog. Uh, he was quite a baseball player. He became pitcher for the high school. And one very famous game was against Thorndale. And the Thorndale fans arrived super early and dominated uh, the field, where the field was completely surrounded by Thorndale fans. And the Taylor fans, you know, hometown folks, when they showed up, they had to stand in the back. And so there he is under that kind of pressure from Thorndale as the pitcher, but he shut him out, which was good, right? But the problem was their pitcher was good too, and he shut him out too. So there they are, zero, zero. But in the final inning, he, as the pitcher, hit a home run as a batter, and they won the game one to nothing. So he's a hometown hero. Became known as a crusader for justice, standing up, for what is right. And then I found this treasure. Once while giving a speech to students at the University of Texas School of Law there in Austin, he said this, those who expect to succeed in the practice of law should go into it for the glory of God and the good of humanity. He said that as an attorney general. When I showed that to the library worker, she said, boy, we need those kind of leaders now, don't we? Can you imagine one of them saying that now? This should be, this should be everybody's desire. It's the two great commandments, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. What if everything we did was for the glory of God and the good of humanity? What a person to raise at your dinner table. What a quest for your business. What a desire for our ministries, for the glory of God and the good of humanity. A lot of our candidates, this is not their life mission. How to have integrity? Because it's not easy, we need prayer. And nothing will motivate you to pray like somebody coming and confronting you about a lack of integrity in your life. It hurts, you want to get defensive, you want to say, are you calling me a liar and all that other stuff? But take it seriously and go find some place to pray and say, Lord, search my heart. Where is there truth in this? Pray for it with all your heart. And practice it daily every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and all day Sunday. Integrity is a daily walk. And run from those who lack it. You see somebody without integrity, don't be hanging out with them. The Bible says, make no friendship with an angry person lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Lord, help us to be people of integrity. If you want to live a life of integrity, please follow these special instructions. Admit when you are wrong. Be the first to forgive. Be the first to stand when everyone else sits down. Do what is right, even when no one else does. Say no when people are trying to get you to do something you know you shouldn't. Tell the truth and accept the consequences. Stand up for something you believe in, even though it might mean rejection or ridicule. Defend someone who is considered unpopular or unacceptable. When faced with a limitation, give your very best, regardless of pain or discomfort. Confront a fear without running away. 
Give sacrificially to protect or promote either someone you love, someone who has been wronged, or someone in need. If you follow these special instructions, you will be on track to live a life of integrity. Thank you for listening. Lord, I pray that you would restore integrity as a value in our government, our nation, state, county, community, even in our neighborhoods, Lord. Especially in our homes, in our church, in our personal lives, Lord. May we restore what has been lost where it needs to be restored. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your integrity, your wholeheartedness for us. Help us, Lord, to live with all our hearts for your glory and the good of others. In Jesus' name, amen.